Welcome to the Ninja Lane Podcast Extras. In this episode, we talk about Darren's passion for paintball and his recent trip to Super Game. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia. With me today, I have Darren McCain. We talked about this before. You are quite the paintballer. Yeah, you know, I feel like paintball is one of those really great sports that it doesn't really matter, well, to some extent, how in shape you are, how big you are, how fast you are. Anybody can play paintball. And so I've stuck with it for most of my life. Yeah. Well, assuming you like getting shot at, <laughs> getting welts every once in a while, unless you have proper padding and armor which i think you can probably talk about but right, right um this past weekend you were out of town to go to a competition uh you're right actually although competition kind of loosely i went over to uh play in the super game which is one of the largest games in the northwest maybe is the largest now and it's a three-day paintball festival is maybe a better description of it although it is a big game so there are three teams that compete and at the end, they crown a victor. And I'm happy to say that uh, my team that I was on this time around won for the weekend. Nice. And First... it was a hard battle, actually. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So how long have you been going to this competition? So I've been going for a little more than five years. And the Super Game, uh, again, happens twice a year. So there's a spring game and a fall game. And the spring game is the larger, sometimes by twice the size of the two. You had a story for why you keep going. Yeah, you know... I first got involved in Super Game back when I was competing in a competitive woods ball league called SPPL. And now by competitive woods ball, uh, I have to basically explain the different styles in general of paintball. Mm-hmm. So what do you think of when you think of paintball? I think of, well, I have two visions in mind. Okay. The first one I want to say is the the professional business paintballer like here in town we had the the butter factory got converted into an indoor paintball match all right so sort of like a like a warehouse yeah it was like a warehouse you know they used to make butter there in the 70s i walked into the lobby there and there was always you know those kids that were you know stereotypical kids they're there every day they were the masters of the arena and (laughs) They would pretty much laugh at everybody that was walking in and had no idea what was going on. You know, you run into the same thing if you go to, like, one of the indoor kart racing places. Yeah, so basically like a sport jock, right? Yeah. In this case, a paintball jock. Yeah. And then the second image would be what I saw on, like, ESPN. You know, the inflatables, kind of the the counter-strike approach where you have, uh, I think it's teams of 10, and they run out and it's last man standing. So what they're talking about are two of the kind of major ways people play indoor ball or competitive ball. The first uh, is really more of, of a, eh, a recreational sport ball where you've got a warehouse full of some sort of containers. And we have a new one now that has like, you know, cars and towers and things to fight over. Mm-hmm. And then the second is what we is the competitive tournament scene, what we call speed ball because of the high speed of the play. And that usually takes place on a field that's about the same size as maybe an indoor soccer or hockey field. And it has a mirrored field. So both teams have the same architecture, if you will, of inflatable bunkers that they fight against. Both uh, are very different. But for the most part, the competitive or speedball scene is is a fancy game of capture the flag. 
Now, a lot of folks first get introduced in paintball in the third more general structure, which is what we call woods ball, or sometimes you'll hear it called outlaw ball, <laughs> because you basically go out anywhere you think you can play and you fight each other in the woods. And it could be elimination or it could be a capture the flag game. True. So when we go to super game, super game is really great because it, it, it caters to all these different styles all at the same time. So over outside of St. Paul's where Super Game happens, and the website is supergame.tv, so I would definitely encourage you to go and look at the videos because as hard as I'm going to try to describe this to you, nothing takes the place of actually being there or at least seeing it. Okay. So Super Game is called Super Game in part because it's so large. In fact, this spring, I would estimate we had about 1,600 players. Wow. So how do you keep track of 1,600 players? So that's definitely part of the challenging part of Super Game. Now, I mentioned earlier there are three teams that play. In this case, the red team and the blue team or red and yellow or whatever. And each of those teams gets armbands, and that's how you track them. Now, one of the really cool things about Super Game is it's a continuous game. And what that means is when you get killed or marked out, if you will, you can go back and respawn at your nearest respawn station, or you can leave the game and go eat pizza and water and <laughs> relax and come back in an hour and jump right back in just like nothing's happened. I'm going to play a little dumb here, but um, there's no telefragging, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, as funny as that is, there are a lot of things in common about paintball that match you know, Call of Duty in the arena games. So let me talk a little bit about the field. The field is, I think it's 30 acres of woodland outside of Oregon. And it's hilly and there's some creeks and there's even an area that we call the swamp that can get two or three feet deep in mud. And I did actually accidentally slip into it with one leg up to my knee this time around and that's no good. (laughs) So it has an area that's very open in the front, which is a lot of fun to watch. We call that area the DMZ, and that supports the folks that like to play what we described as speedball. There are a lot of spools and and really small bunkers and barriers for people to hide in, and they fight across it at a pretty high rate of speed. It's a lot of fun to watch. Mm -hmm. And then we support the other styles because we have forts with flags in the forest, and then we have just general woods play. So you can find a big battle or a fast battle or just go off with a smaller group. So you can start in one area and then, you know, get hit and then go into another area. Exactly. So we talked about the field being large, but it's divided into several distinct areas. And there are nine different forts or what we call flag stations, maybe. And inside of each of these is a little flag that can be turned from red to blue. So we've talked about red and blue teams, but I mentioned a third team. Mm -hmm. This team's called the Renegades, and they're kind of the wild card. Now, they're usually a much smaller group. In this case, we had less than 100 out of that 1,600. So their goal is to be the great equalizer. The Renegade team is usually highly skilled and highly coordinated group of very experienced players or even professional players. Mm-hmm. And they go out and they try to keep the team balanced. So, you, of course, with 1,600 people, it's very difficult to tell on the field how the talent's going to stack up. Right. And so, if you have a bunch of in a group or something like that, right? Yeah, or even if most of the red team decided to take a bathroom break at the same time and blue team took the field and captured every flag, <laughs> you know, the renegades are going to join the team that's losing the battle and try to swing it back to neutral mm-hmm. and do some other things too. So if there's a base that's not being fought over at all, they might go and turn it to neutral so that we have a chance to attack it again to keep the keep the game from getting stale. Oh, nice. So that's kind of neat. 
I mentioned there are three different uh, nights and days of play, so there's, there's three different styles of game. So Friday night is what we call a night game, mm-hmm. and it's dark. So it's two hours with two objectives. The first objective is the fort that's just inside the woods, so it's very dark, lots of trees. The fort itself is pretty big. It's probably 50 feet around sort of a circular fort with a flag right by the door. So it's it's very defensible on the top of a hill. Okay. So you have a fifth pitcher at red team coming up one side of the hill, blue team coming up the other side of the hill, and they like to start some uh, of our renegade team inside of it just to keep it interesting. Okay, so kind of they're defending the fort, you're storming the fort. Yeah, so your first goal is to try to capture this one and hold it to get your points. So you capture the flag and hold it long enough to score the points, which is a 100-point objective. Mm-hmm. And then the second objective, which scores after that one is taken, is the DMZ, which is that wide open area right up front. Now visualize everyone's running around in the dark. You have a glow stick that's attached to your barrel that you have to keep visible when you're firing for safety. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, it looks pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And then the main open field actually has strobe lights and fog machines and music playing, and it's very cool rock and roll sort of crazy atmosphere wow very neat doesn't really match your vision of paintball at all right no no not not the classical image that i have in my head some people get crazy i mean big spotlights laser pointers night vision goggles (laughs) it's honestly out of control and i gotta tell you it's not my favorite part of the night but some people that's the main part they go now, I tend to enjoy more of a tactical assault, so not being able to see what's going on in the field is very frustrating for me. In the same way that Doom 3 was frustrating for me. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, I support those guys that time, and it is fun and very different, and the only time a year that I play paintball like that, so that the rest of the weekend they'll stay and play my game, right? Oh, yeah, of course, right. <laughs> so Saturday is really the big game where we get the most of the players. It is set up so that every hour you have a specific objective everybody knows what they are in advance and so every hour we score those flags so you know first you're going to go out to the sticks for then you're going to capture the darkwood fort swamp fort etc so there's a pretty regular battle going on over these main objectives and then there are some secondary objectives that are announced throughout the day and generally these are used to help even up the game so for example, um, our team won both flags Friday night, and we're feeling pretty confident. Mm-hmm. And then the other team came out and whooped us the first half of the day Saturday and took every flag Wow! over some pretty hard-fought battles. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we were pretty far down, and they held most of the field. So they gave a couple of minor objectives, and that gives us an opportunity to focus on getting some points on the board and also forces their team that was pretty dominant to split up and defend more than one or two flags. Yeah, it gave us options, put us back on the board, and we fought back to a pretty close game. So eight hours, um, eight major objectives. I'm sorry, seven major objectives because the first one happens an hour in. And then we had three minor objectives. And at the end of the day, we had caught back up to where we were only down 50 points. Oh, that's not bad. So really good. Now, I also haven't mentioned some of the other styles of play. And I'm just going to gloss over them here because you have tanks on the field. We had... How do you do tanks in paintball? The tanks roam around is a great question. <laughs> and they have turrets, and they're made out of maybe golf carts. One was made out of a Ford Explorer, and some are very custom, and they look like a real tank, depending on how much budget some of these teams have. <laughs> okay. And they're awesome. But a tank can only be killed by a rocket. 
So there are rocket teams out there, and it looks just like a paintball, but it fires a nice Nerf rocket, so it's fairly safe. Mm -hmm. And they have kill points, which are essentially big foot-and-a-half round nets, one on each side of these things, and you have to kit this weak spot to kill a tank. And once you kill it, it has to go back to its home starting space, and it sits there for a defined amount of time, which is, I think, at least five minutes, and in which case it can respawn also. Okay. So they're pretty fearsome. So you can visualize this tank rolling around. can only be killed by a rocket and only in a specific way. But in the meantime, it might have a turret with two big guns. It might be shooting rockets and dropping smoke grenades itself. <laughs> and for the most part, they're kind of mobile bunkers and suppressive fire. And then there's some pretty cool tank-on-tank battles. <laughs> As long as the Ford Explorer doesn't run over the golf cart. Uh, exactly. And they have specific what we call tank roads, so the areas they're supposed to be on. That's for safety. Mm-hmm. And in general, you can't approach a tank. You can't get within a certain amount of feet because we don't want you to get into their blind spot and get hit. Right. And to be honest with you, as a regular Joe walking around with a standard paintball gun, you don't want to be on the receiving end of these guys because they're carrying cases and cases of paint, and you are not. <laughs> and you cannot kill them with your paintball gun, but they sure as heck can kill you. Yeah. So it's kind of you see a tank, you run. Uh-huh. We also had a mortar team out there that was firing rockets with a like a howitzer-looking thing. That was kind of neat. Mm. I only saw them briefly on Saturday because I played most of my game in the backfield. Right. Um, They were out there, and and of course the rockets can attack the bunkers too. That's kind of neat. So if you're a rocket player, you can shoot a bunker, and the ref goes over and calls everybody in that bunker out, just like if you'd fired a law in real life. Hmm. So some cool aspects. There are paint grenades. I mentioned smoke grenades already, so there's a lot going on on your Saturday. Yeah, I'm I'm envisioning kind of a, oh, what is it, like a, a Civil War reenactment. Yeah, with paint. it's more crazy than that. <laughs> yeah, of course, you know, because, you know, reenactments are always very rigid and whatnot. Well, yeah. but... And with the respawn element, the game is very fluid in that, you know, you might take a bunch of ground and then you get shot up and while you're respawning, the other team surges back. So it sort of reminds me of playing Risk, if you will, in that you sort of mass your troops in one area and then you go out and you take a bunch of territory and as you get trim down and slim down eventually you're not going to have enough guys to take the next flag right and then they're going to surge back across it in a different way and i guess in the video game space that would be like an onslaught game in unreal yeah that's a great example of it actually and you know to some extent like capture the flag in some of the games only as you know you can mass through a few flags and, and but you can't stay and hold them you have to stay fluid right so How did you end up winning this game? I'm guessing it was on Sunday, right? Exactly. So Sunday is a different kind of game we call Spoils of War. It's actually my favorite part of the weekend, and it's short. It's only four hours. But how Spoils of War works is there are specific flags that are objectives, and they can be taken at will. And every time you capture a base, it goes to neutral, and everyone that's in that base area when it goes neutral is awarded beads, like Mardi Gras beads. Now, you're going to get a single bead for regular paintball guns and the ones that you visualize or have seen on TV. But if you're playing with a pump gun or a first strike enabled gun, we'll talk about gun technology a little bit, you get double beads. So I play out with a pump on Sunday and get twice the beads. And every time you take it, you get them. But also some of the bases, if you are defending them when that hour is called, you get defense beads also, and that's to make it so if you're not really having a lot of luck attacking, you can fall back to your base and still get beads. 
And you turn these beads in at the end of the day, and each bead is a point towards your team. But this is the cool part. Each bead also gets you a ticket into the major raffle. And the Super Game Raffle is sponsors throwing in just a massive amount of stuff. In fact, it's not uncommon to get $50,000 worth of raffle prizes. Oh. So you definitely want to take beads and turn them in and get tickets. Mm-hmm. And the prizes are pretty impressive. I mean, there are game packages worth $3,500 that is basically everything you need for paintball and then some. And then there are very specific ones where they give away high-end guns or gift certificates or you know entries into next year. I mean, it's not uncommon to have a couple hundred people win stuff in the raffles. So there are a really high percentage chance of getting them. In fact, last year I won seven times, very minor things. But I buy probably more tickets than most because the raffle tickets benefit my buddy Bryce Hotchkiss. Oh, yes. And he was a player of yours Mm -hmm. since you started going, right? Right. So Bryce has a very good friend of mine, a lifelong buddy. In fact, was the best man in my wedding. Mm -hmm. And Bryce uh, was a grandma epileptic and unfortunately at Super Game three years ago had a seizure and passed away. So as a paintball community, we hold that raffle in Bryce's name. And all the proceeds go to benefit local charities, and they rotate every year. And when possible, we try to find a paintball-related charity, which there aren't many. Mm-hmm. So this year we did the Hope House and also Bob Gersey's uh, Paintball Fund. And we raise quite a bit of money through this raffle for those. So it's a great way for paintball to give back to the community and remind people that we're not just a bunch of hooligans shooting each other in the woods. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a really good cause. It is. So it gives us a chance to get together and honor Bryce as a fallen member of our paintball family. And there are a few others that we've lost along the years, and we use that as an opportunity to you know, just remember those players that are no longer with us. So a very cool opportunity to get together. Great. So this year... You um, you were 50 points behind in the finals, uh-huh. going up to Sunday. And-, and Sunday, we fought really hard. In fact, I'm pleased to say that um, I play for a team when I'm over in Oregon called Crossfire. Crossfire Paintball is a great, great group of guys. Uh, not only are they great paintballers, but they're also a Christian outreach. So a very honorable, fun group of players where you know there's going to be no cheating or <laughs> anger issues. So I, I, I can't say enough good about those guys. Yep. But we uh, we led some teams, and we swept the backfield two or three times. At first, a little frustrating because we were coming from behind. But we staged a pretty solid comeback, and thanks to a couple of last-minute flagpoles right in the last 30 minutes of the game, we pulled it out, and we actually won by just over 100 points at the end of the day. Good job. So if you remember how the points are scored by beads, you'll know that 100 points is a very, very small margin, one of the closest games that we've had. Yeah. So what did those beads get you? So I had not a ton of beads. I think I had uh, 18 beads. So that's nine base captures. Mm -hmm. I missed a couple while I was providing cover fire. But uh, using my raffle tickets and that day before, I actually got very lucky this year, and I won one of the grand prizes, and I came home with a really rocking paintball gun. I saw this gun. It's um, I want to say if I was walking down the street, somebody would probably try and arrest me. <laughs> but yeah, it's a. Um, it looks like, well, it's an assault rifle, basically. It really is. So if you're a paintball player, I won a Die paintball gun. Die being the company that makes it, and it's called a DAM, which is short for Die Assault Matrix. So Die, the company that made it, Assault for the style, 
very realistic style, and Matrix is the the series of guns that it's in. Nice. So what makes this gun special is not only is it new, but it has the capability to fire from a clip mm-hmm. and also from a hopper, which is the traditional container that holds your paintballs above your gun. Yeah. Now, the clip, you can load it with special paintballs with flight ribs and stuff, Exactly. Right? So mm-hmm. normal paintballs are round ball, around 689 caliber, 0.689, give or take. Mm-hmm. And the rounds that you're talking about in the clip are called first strike rounds uh it's a really new technology in paintball it's been out for a couple of years and is still you know in its infancy yeah. but these are paintballs that have um yeah exactly they have fins on them like a, a sabat round if you're familiar with that or picture in your mind a little tiny model rocket based yeah. around a paintball and these fins allow it to take rifled flight so when you're thinking about paintball, your paintball's round, it goes out, it's kind of at the mercy of the elements, the air, and how it comes out of the barrel. So they're not as accurate as we'd like them to be, and their range is not very long. Right. Well, and that's, you know, that's the the physics of like a football, for exactly. instance. You know, you're going to put a spin on it, it's going to be more accurate because it's going to glide through the wind. Exactly. Same with a golf ball. And it's not going to, it'll be still affected by the wind, but you'll get more distance out of it because it's not being held by the wind. First strike rounds have brought to the game the ability to tag a player very accurately at a greater distance than a round ball will go and to kill a, and to mark them uh, without having to throw a ton of paint because you have to overcome the accuracy and the natural accuracy and the natural arc of a paintball. Right. And that really brings in uh, the sniper into the mix instead of just uh, a soldier running around hiding behind trees, right? So paintballers tend to fall into kind of two sort of categories. The ones that like the mil sim or the the paintball markers that look more like real guns. Mm-hmm. And uh, generally these tend to be cheaper but also heavier, less efficient guns. Yep. Uh, side effects of being entry-level guns. And the most popular brand is Tipman. So most players have played a Tipman gun or have rented one if you've tried. Mm-hmm. And then there's the tournament-level paintball players, more like myself, that value guns that are light, quick, and efficient. But the side effect of that is they cost more. Yeah, I believe uh, you showed me one. It was the Angel, and that's like a fully electronic sort of Yeah, marker. Angel was the first one to bring that to the market, and I have a few of those. And they're great guns even still to this day, although some of those are 04, 03 guns, and they still can compete today mm-hmm. uh, and keep up with the guns. And the newer guns, like I have um, Egos and I have a Die NT11, which is a 2011 tournament level gun, are my normal day to day guns. Sometimes we like to refer to those as space guns and milsim guns yep. because the space guns look like, I mean, like a ray gun kind of. They don't look anything at all like a real gun. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, in terms of equipment, you know, just kind of quickly going through this. Full camo, right? Unless you're wearing a jersey for a team sort of match, right? Yes, but in fact, I wear a what would be a speedball-style jersey in a camo pattern when I play. Oh, okay. So I'm actually wearing, you know, usually two to three layers of clothing. I kind of have to. These mm-hmm. balls kind of go fast and... Exactly. Well, that and you're, you know, you're diving, hitting the ground in the woods, whatever, so you need padding on your knees padding on your elbows gloves on your hands Mm -hmm. of course a mask goes without saying to protect your eyes and ears and you mentioned this earlier but what's important to note about paintball is paintball is one of the safest sports out there you actually can get injured more statistically you know speed running than you can playing paintball and part of the reason for that is because paintball safety is so controlled you have 
plugs in your markers, they turn off on. We check the velocity religiously to make sure they're shooting it at a velocity that's not dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're constantly policing to make sure people are wearing the correct safety gear. We have netting around the field. I mean, it just goes on and on and on because inherently when you shoot someone at something else, as we've all done in our time with a Nerf or a BB gun or God knows what else, yep. um, there's just a huge risk of getting hurt. Yeah. Well, and isn't some of that safety built into paintball in itself? Like if the gun has too much velocity it will actually blow up the the ball in the gun yes exactly or they won't shoot as well or i mean any number of things the guns really are designed to run at just under 300 feet per second right which sounds like a lot but that gives your paintball an accurate range of maybe 150 feet before the arc and in fact somewhere between 150 and 200 you probably could reach out and i've done this Mm -hmm. and catch an incoming paintball in your hand because there's not enough velocity for it to break anymore yeah and at that point it's you're having fun catching paintballs instead of actually getting marked up. Yeah, you can actually step aside when they come and feel like you're in the matrix. Oh, dodgy, <laughs> dodgy. Which is where those first strike rounds come in is because they increase that accuracy and the range out to a little bit more of an advantage. Nice. But of course, the side effect is you need a special gun and the rounds cost a little bit more. Right. Now, when uh, somebody gets marked, it's kind of up to them to say, hey, I'm out. Exactly. Now, one of the things I like about paintball as opposed to airsoft, which is sort of in the same school of thought, Mm. is that when you hit somebody with a paintball, it's immediately apparent they've hit, it breaks. Or it doesn't, and that's how you tell if they're out or they're not. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of refs on the field at Super Game, a lot of refs, as you can imagine, from that many players. Yep. And no refing is perfect, just like every sport. But what they do is they wander around and they make sure that when you're hit, even if you don't know it, you're out. And it does happen. For example, it was very hot in Oregon, so I wore a camelback, and I took a hit in my pack and didn't feel it at all. Mm-hmm. And I had a ref wander over and, hey, player, you're out. Hit on your pack. And I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> but the nice advantage is you just walk back to the nearest flag station you control or to your home base, and you wipe it off, and you go right back into playing. Nice. Very nice. So, super game. If you're into paintball, you can sign up where? You can sign up on supergame.tv. It's twice a year. You can Google it. I would definitely recommend YouTubing some of the videos, the pictures. Check out Crossfire Paintball. Check out our site, and we'll have some links for you as well. I can't stress enough, paintball is awesome. You have to try. You have to get off your computer and do that first-person shooter in the woods. You have no idea what you're missing. (laughs) Nice. This has been a Ninja Lane production, copyright 2012. Thanks for listening.